You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the couch bro tato no homo <laughs> no homo <laughs> i'm alex Morrison. and this week we're gonna be we've discussed quite a few different uh streaming services in the past but you know what today we're gonna be talking about one that maybe a lot of people haven't really dug into that we're gonna definitely throw our stamp and seal of approval on it uh, the best the best but before then let's go ahead and just do a little bit of housekeeping Guys, we never say this, but how about you go and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform? That way you get every single notification when we get new episodes dropped. Because guess what? Facebook and Instagram suck dick, especially when it comes to actually showing people their motherfucking posts. So Mm -hmm. if you want the episodes as soon as they drop, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you want to give us a review, even if it's a one star review, fuck it, do it. Give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Because I'll contact you directly. <laughs> we will Jay and Silent Bob your ass. Are you the motherfucker that said? <laughs> but no, uh, just trying to get things geared up a little bit more because if folks look in the episode description of this show, they're going to see that after a few weeks of teasing and teasing and blue balling, we have our merch store up. Yay. Oh, shit. <laughs> so if you click that link in the description, you can get a, get yourself a nice Couch Potato shirt, a Something Good Network shirt. Um, and we've gotten a couple other little things that we might drop a little later on. Chris is literally wearing his. He's wearing two shirts. It looked like he was just about to flash his tits at me. Be like, does this get me merch? <laughs> but no, he's wearing two shirts. And underneath is this nice, snazzy, one of a kind couch potato shirt Mm -hmm. as i wound up making you a shirt but i didn't like put us on it it's just the logo because i was just like i highly doubt you'd like want to walk around with your face on it no i don't like my picture taken so no (laughs) i mean i'm a narcissist Mm. i will (laughs) i'll wear a shirt of me wearing a shirt of me wearing a shirt and they all have my face on it sure i'll fucking do that all day long i have my logo tattooed on me okay Mm. so like yes i'm a bit of a narcissist when it comes to that but Chris, not so much. No. But for everyone else out there. Humble as fuck, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nobody more humble than me, me, motherfucker. (laughs) So if you want to get yourself a cool t-shirt of the Couch Potatoes or even Cryptic Conspiracy Cult, we got one of those t-shirts up as well. Click that link in the episode description. And as time goes on, we might be dropping a couple other fun little pieces like a coffee mug or maybe even a puzzle or two. We got a fun story about that one. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, we'll just go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. So uh, through the website, we get a whole lot of our uh, merchandise done. You can get just like one of a kind items made as well. And they've got puzzles on there, which Chris and I were kind of even bouncing around the idea of, hey, it'd be kind of cool to do a puzzle collection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like every month or so put out a new puzzle for folks to do, especially because yeah. it's 
pretty inexpensive for what it is yeah. and we're not doing this to make money we're doing this to have some fun with our folks so we'd mm. sell it almost at cost you know and just kind of see what it does but yeah you i i got one of just the album art or the uh, the artwork for the podcast yeah. and uh, he, you got that put together and it seemed like it oh if we did fine. a greatest hits of cryptic conspiracy call and put it on a fucking album i would lose my mind <laughs> <laughs> folks share our podcast get those sponsorship monies rolling in we'll do a best of vinyl collection for chris of the couch potatoes <laughs> just track one marijuana is the devil <laughs> well it's like side one should be um Actually, it'd be kind of interesting to do a something good network greatest hits vinyl, mm. where it's like the start of each track is the intro song. Mm -hmm. So it's like you've got the intro songs pressed on vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> God. But no, what what was your puzzle story? So so I finally put it together. It took me a little while because I kept going on and off about it. So I bought a frame yesterday. I framed it. So I didn't really pay attention until after it was all done. It's missing a goddamn piece. I lost it. I can't fucking find it. No. So the great conspiracy of the lost piece. I'll probably find it when I finish moving my shit out. Like last minute. Like, I love that. The conspiracy of the missing puzzle piece for the cryptic conspiracy cult puzzle. Yep. <laughs> it's goddamn infuriating. But no, um, I, we, we've got to kind of, kind of, couple cool ideas for cryptic conspiracy cult puzzles because mm -hmm. it feels like that show specifically kind of lends itself to that since there's so many pieces of the conspiracy or the cryptid story or whatever i got us like five more subscribers overnight at triple <laughs> just because <laughs> yeah. just because they're just like hey you want to talk about david koresh real quick yeah sure <laughs> you want to talk about what pepsi and coke do not share shit I'm like yeah yeah let's talk about that <laughs> so if that's also interesting to you guys Click that thing where it says listen to the other shows on the network and find the cryptic conspiracy cult because I have a feeling that looking at the numbers between, say, I'm talk about the three main shows like No Time to Turn, Couch Potatoes, and Cryptic Conspiracy Cult. When I look at those three numbers, where they're coming from are completely separate demographics. We're reaching different people with each show. Um, so if folks are listening to this and they've not checked out Cryptic Conspiracy Cult, boogie on over there. You might like it. But enough of that bullshit housekeeping. Let's go ahead and head on over to our news segment. This is something Chris brought up, which I'm surprised it wound up being news because it felt like this kind of stuff made the rounds a couple years ago. But I guess I was wrong. Uh, but this year, the year of our Lord, 2023, vinyl record for the first time has outsold CDs since the year 1987. Yep. That is pretty surprising to me. I think it's I think it's a lot of, a lot of uh, not so much a nostalgia feel because people our age never had vinyl really growing up except for our grandparents or parents. I think what it is is something we talked about a while back was – peripheral um when you hold a an lp an album there's so much in it there's so much content in it not just looking at the album not just the music you know there's more to it and cds don't offer that option you know they're it's very compact you know you open up there's no book in them anymore it's always just a cover a track list in the back yeah, exactly and that's it. albums though you have sleeves you have pullouts you know if you do a if the band decides to take like three years to make an album, it's a double fucking album. Yep. So it's basically a little book and like 
there's so much stuff packed into these things and plus you have the remasters of old ones and so i think record collecting has actually pushed this harder than anything because with re-releases and stuff like that hey i used to have this i can't find it holy shit they got purple rain at walmart (laughs) or my copy is just worn the fuck out um and a lot of people i see you know frame them uh, do frameworks on them do whole like wall collections and stuff like that you know you still have you know your pickers who go to like yard sales and stuff and like uh, mike phillips from the gabba gabba hunt podcast that's one of his favorite things to do is just to go around record shops kind of pick around and see what he mm-hmm. wants i mean he's also got his own store definitely check it out yeah. um but yeah i mean he he loves doing his record picking. and plus you know all the new artists are doing lps and stuff like mm-hmm. i remember i remember when i was younger in high school um uh, kit cuddy which uh, created an LP, like just dropped an LP, and everybody's like, "What? What about a CD? Or why, why aren't you? Why aren't you just doing streaming only?" He's like, "I like. I just wanted to do it," and that set off a fucking firecracker of shit. Uh, Hobo Wolfman Records down here, uh, Repo Records, whole new shit every week on the pod, yeah. on the uh, on their posts and stuff. Hey, we yep. got these new albums, and I'm just like, "New!" I'm just like, "Holy shit, they're new, new!" Like, yeah, <laughs> like it's fantastic that they got those, and they'll pull. And like, that's a great place to pull from mm-hmm. if you're uh, doing that. Um, but yeah, like it's it's so much better quality. Uh, me and Cap talked about it before. Uh, the band Lucifer had did just albums. It seemed like, and it had an old school seventies, eighties feel to it, and it's it's really nice to go back to have those again. So like CDs, CDs are kind of like a flash in the pan almost if you like time wise like they were great in the late 80s 90s that was if you had money you had cds in the early 2000s like everybody made their own shit <laughs> it's like yeah so having the album having to actually stop what you're doing put it on the record player and having a record player is awesome like it's yeah like the victrola is has made a big comeback just the little suitcase record player yeah um but yeah like it's it's the new peripheral for music yeah, and well, the thing is, I was kind of surprised on it, and it's I think it's kind of cool, but it also felt like, and listeners, if, if I'm going crazy, let me know, but if I'm, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, help me out, it felt like I saw this article like in 2018 or some shit, or 2019. Mm-hmm. It felt like even back then, people were talking about how vinyl records were outselling CDs and shit like that, like how vinyl record was back on top. It, as happy as I am that it's still continuing to do so, it just felt like this wasn't the first time since 87. It yeah. felt like there was a time even more recently. Well, I could see like an article coming out about like cassettes and maybe like mm-hmm. finally cassettes are eliminated and got overshadowed by CDs and vinyl. Right. That seems more possible in 2018. Yeah. But like the cheats, you know, we, you guys played with them twice this yep. past week, and like that's all they had were vinyl, and I have most of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing is too is I think the more and more we push for immediate instant gratification and don't have as much physical items of things, mm-hmm. I honestly think you're always going to have that new generation that comes up that wants that nostalgic physical of it all. Yeah. Because I remember being younger and even, and vinyl records were very niche, mm-hmm. you know, in that, in the late nineties, mid two thousand, no one gave a fuck about them. So that's when I was really interested because it was like, you, you couldn't do it. And plus like we, 
what you were saying. Everyone that had a computer probably had a CD burner. Yeah. The novelty of a CD was just utilitarian. It was just a tool to you know make ends meet. Yeah, before, I needed music on the go. Here's a CD. Before MP3 players were booming. You couldn't make your own vinyl record. You yeah. couldn't make a mixed record. I bet you if we were able to make mixed vinyl records, the the whole mystique of it wouldn't quite be as there as so much. So I'm glad you brought that up. There's actually a machine. Yes, a for, lathe cutter. Yeah, and it is it is fantastic because it does duplicates. But this was that was like invented in the late 70s, mm-hmm. and people the cassettes were just like kicking out eight tracks were just going and like. I could see like somebody who's in the vinyl business being like, God damn it. Why did they make this fucking thing? And it's like, if, if you think about it, the more progressive in technology it is, the easier it is to copy oh, yeah. for the layman to do. Like vinyl was very hard to do. Like you would have to buy a machine. You have to have something that heats up vinyl and shit like that. But by the time I was in high school, I was using blank CDs, but not for music but for mp3s because it also has a data file on there so yes i bought a special cd player that played mp3 cds from sony so you, so you had kind of like your first mp3 player but it was just a cd because you could probably fit like over 100 songs on that cd yes and then like if you bought like the special cdrws which had rewritable capability yeah you could put so much shit on there and I that's love the cdrws but like that's when i started getting really heavy in that shit and that's why I got that one CD player. It was a, it was a Sony IO uh, CD player. It was fantastic. My mom was pissed that I had that I had to have it. Well, see, she's like, what's wrong with the CD player? It doesn't play what I fucking play. <laughs> well, see, and again, I think the reason why vinyl records are always going to kind of endear, because one, as you mentioned earlier, the ritualistic aspect of it, you know, taking the vinyl out, putting it on the turntable, dropping the needle. You have to go take care mm-hmm. of it to flip it over to listen to the rest of your record. It's a process, and people enjoy that. And at the same time, cassettes, you mentioned that earlier, they tried to make a comeback. It didn't succeed. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's because we had the Mm mixtape. You could make your own cassette tape. The novelty of having a specific record on cassette tape was immediately null and void if you had the copy on another physical form. You could easily bounce that to a cassette and boom, you've got that record. It doesn't matter now. So I honestly do think that the vinyl record probably is going to endure as long as there's generations that are interested in classic media. As as soon as that, as soon as there's a generation that is just not interested in what it's now considered to be retro tech, Mm. it'll probably die off then. But I'm seeing enough Gen Zers digging through their grandpa's closet and finding stuff, and they're getting interested. So it's going to last a little longer. But like newer artists are still dropping vinyl. Like we are. But like that's that's the thing, you know. That and also it kind of feels like you're giving money to the artist when you buy vinyl and stuff like that. So like when I buy, but like (laughs) when I go to a show and they're selling that, I'll more likely buy that than a shirt. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they're much more appreciative of that because they spend a lot more money on those records than they did know, the t-shirts. Yeah, so like you really want to, you know, I'm, I know that that more of that money is going toward them as you know cost per annum. They're probably making more money per than just like a fucking shirt because shirts shirts can be expensive to make. Yeah, and then when you buy like a shit ton of them, you're just like, why? Why do I have all these smalls? Oh wait, all my, all my fans are like three X. <laughs> Well, moving on to another topic real quick. I saw this literally as we were getting set up. Dish Network recently had a cyber attack and a lot of data was skimmed from their services. So 
it was a ransomware attack and so dish network told employees that they're investigating a cybersecurity incident and they're aware that certain data was extracted from its it systems as a result of the incident and that was according to an email sent by ceo eric carlson that was obtained by the verge so that's kind of interesting so if, if you if you're a dish network subscriber um you probably just got a little more, more fucked in the ass than yeah. usual like south park kind of does oh mm, i'm sorry, sorry. yeah well uh, <laughs> In the last like few weeks, corporate corporate uh, entities are getting railed right now. Uh, another version of this is what happened in Silicon Valley with their banks, but like they had the same kind of situation. They got they got took, and ransomware, you know, is a very niche way of taking things down. We had that problem here in North Carolina not long ago uh, with, with what the power grid. <laughs> uh, the, uh, so uh, Duke Energy had a ransomware attack, and they said no, we no. We had we took care of it. It's like, no, someone hacked you and turned off. And what they did was they turned off people's power. This but wasn't the Christmas incident, was it? It was before that. Okay. But anyway, they were turning people's power off. Well, they found out later Duke was turning people's power off because what the ransomware did was shut off the payable part of the fucking website. So someone put in ransomware and just shut off the payable. Oh, shit. I remember when this happened because I couldn't pay my bill for a couple days. And I'm like, bitch, I'm trying to give you money. And then it was, well, well, it was kind of like one of those Robin Hood situations. It's like, oh, no, we're going to keep the power grid going. But we're just to shut off the payment part of it so Duke Power couldn't make money for like two months. And like then they started turning people's power off because they weren't receiving payment. And it's right. just like, you greedy bitch. <laughs> you couldn't have waited. Uh, you couldn't have just waited till you got their shit fixed. And like Dish Network, you know, is probably one of the worst fucking sites. We had Dish Network for a while. It sucked. It's horrible, dude. Them and Direct TV are just like hit or miss. And I remember I remember what time we had uh, Dish Network and I was watching a movie and we switched. We switched. And the guy came and turned my TV off. And I'm like, hey, do you have this channel? Uh, we might. You do not have that channel. <laughs> and I was really invested in watching this one thing. I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. It's like a Saturday afternoon, too. I was fucking furious. Yeah. Uh, looking here, it says uh, the filing notes that the company only learned about the data uh, infiltration on this past Monday, so nearly a week ago, and uh, is working with third-party experts and advisors. Uh, the outage has had an impact on both customers and employees alike. Well, no shit. <laughs> I, I would assume the employees are also affected. Uh, Dish subscribers, as well as Boost Infinite and Boost Mobile users, have not been able to contact customer support to do things like activate new equipment cancel their service or even make a payment so yeah same shit's kind of going on with them yeah i feel bad for those boost mobile people because the reason why you got boost mobile in the first place is you can't afford a fucking phone and they're about to fucking shut that shit off i mean like it, it, you know it's it's kind of a good thing because now you have rigorous testing that you have to do right so like this this is a big thing about regulation that people don't realize is regulations set these plans in motion so you can do the rigorous testing and make sure this shit doesn't happen. If you don't have the regulations, this is going to happen more often. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you. Trains. <laughs> <laughs> What's your beef with trains? They're derailing constantly right now because they got rid of regulations at the last administration. <laughs> so just saying, maybe 
maybe when the safety guy shows up, you just fucking listen to him. <laughs> I, I feel a little bit of a personal vindication yeah. in your voice with that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to see people die because, you know, one guy said, just playing these breaks. <laughs> well, what the fuck do you know? And then two weeks later, East Palestine, Ohio is covered in chemicals. <laughs> what about this ground wire? Yeah, what about this fucking ground wire? You don't need to ground that shit. I walked up on houses that aren't grounded, and that's scary as shit. <laughs> But uh, we have March is now upon us, and this past Friday was March 10th, which means Happy Mario Day, M-A-R-1-0, uh, Nintendo. Or St. Patty's Day for some drunks. <laughs> All right, yeah, quick aside. I was working in our neighborhood yesterday, and bro, I thought I was like tripping. I thought I was like a week off. Motherfuckers were already in fucking green shirts and the beads and the hats and the hairbands and everything. I thought St. Patrick's Day had already started. I asked Siri and she's like, nah, bitch, that's next week. <laughs> Someone needs to sell these drunk assholes. It's like white it's like white girl birthdays, man. It's like, it's my birthday week. <laughs> no, no, it's not. You just want to wear green and get shit faced. But for the first time, probably I can since I can think of, since the Switch has been released, to celebrate Mario Day, all of March, Nintendo is actually running discounts on their Mario games. Holy fucking shit. We, again, we need to be talking about Nintendo more often on this show because I just said, I just fucking said that I would love to play more of these games if they were a little cheaper. But spending $60 on a game that's been out for so long... That's really hard to swallow. Yeah. And with the release of their first $70 game coming up with Zelda, I, I think they need to boot and rally on these fucking prices. Like, it's getting bad. Well, they're they're starting somewhere. Uh, all of these games are actually $40 for either the physical copy or the digital. So Mario Party Superstars, Donkey Kong Country, uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, uh, and all the Luigi Mansion 3 mm -hmm. multiplayer and expansion pack shits. Uh, that goes from the 10th until the 23rd, and then from the 24th until April 7th, all of these are going to be 40 bucks. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, or the one with the uh, booster pack and yada yada, uh, Mario Odyssey, Mario Brothers U Deluxe, Super Mario Maker 2, and Mario 3D World. Yeah. All of those are going to be fucking 40 bucks, along with Mario Party Superstars and a couple others. So, I'm... I'm actually pretty fucking excited yeah. about that. And shout out to Davey Dirt in the fucking Discord. Um, he somehow won a download code for su New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe. And bro just fucking sends me a message. He goes, hey, I won this. I've already got the game you want to copy. So you know what? Through that, I'll probably wind up picking me up another one of these because I was most wanting to pick that one up yeah. <laughs> out of all the discounted ones. But, but yeah, I think... I think $40 is a lot more of a reasonable price for most of these, hmm. even if it's an ongoing, because Luigi's Mansion 3, that's been out for a long-ass time. Yeah. Mario Party Superstars, there's been a new Mario Party since then. You know, Mario Odyssey, that was a launch title, you know, or close to launch. It was like a couple yeah. months after launch. Yeah, there's no reason it should be like that much. It really shouldn't. So, I'm... Props to Nintendo. I feel like this is a step in the right direction. They started allowing stuff on mobile devices. They've been a lot more liberal and generous with their classic titles. And now they're discounting some of their current titles. I think this could be a step. I mean, probably possibly in the right direction. Yeah. So we've been kind of complaining about that for a minute. And 
Last little bit of Nintendo something. None of this is news, but this would be at least kind of a fun speculation. I brought this up to a uh, co-worker of mine the other day. So, barring PlayStation and Xbox and what they do with every new console, essentially it's it's what you know and love, but bigger, faster, stronger. It'll suck you off and, you know, text your girlfriend, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's they try doing all that. Nintendo doesn't really worry about that. They try to do something interesting and new with each new device. So for the longest time, we had our handhelds, whether it be our Game Boys or the DS line. And then as the consoles went on, you had stuff like GameCube and then that shift to the Wii, motion controls, then Wii U that had the tablet that you could connect to the TV or use for portable play if it was close enough. All the while, the 3DS was still rolling. The Switch comes out. They immediately halt production on the 3DS. They're not doing anything with it anymore. And they're putting everything into the Switch because not only is it a portable console, it is a home console. Why make it 3DS? Why make DS as if now we can take our AAA games on the go? What's the next system for Nintendo? Well, that's what I wanted to bring up. So we've discussed how how would they port DS games over to the switch and i was thinking about this this morning actually because i was looking at my switch how i would do it how if if i decided to third party the fuck out of this uh i think if they create an insert peripheral for the docking station to where the two screens operate independently from your television and your switch together so that bottom screen would be in your fucking hand that top screen would be on the television that's how you would port DS games and then create a whole new expansion to the, you know, the Nintendo Live. Now, the 3D aspect of that, all that was for the 3DS was just layering effects. All it is is a software update. Yeah, and I mean, even the last system they put out was called the 2DS. Yeah. So it's like a lot of people really weren't clamoring for the 3D, so I bet you they could probably just put it on there and not even so, fuck with the 3D. So a software update? to create a layering effect on like the OLD, which probably could do it. Yeah, I think that'd be the next thing for Nintendo is to create backwards compatibility with that subscription service they have. My biggest problem is the you your fucking number one titles aren't always Nintendo games. That's the problem. So my, my biggest thing is when I'm playing the SNES Classic, Chrono Trigger is not on there, and it's one of the best fucking games ever made for the SNES. It's in the top ten. I believe it's number four out of like fans and people are just like it's not on the fucking market it's not on the fucking subscription service i can't even buy it from nintendo eShop. yeah god damn it am i gonna have to buy a homebrew fucking chip or some shit like am i gonna have to buy a homebrew cartridge you know like those game boy cartridges with like 40 fucking games on yeah. it. so like hey i made this little game boy how, how much storage is it all oh, about uh Everything. It has a little everything. bit of everything. It has everything on there. <laughs> so you like emulators, motherfucker? I uh, love, love this one. But like, it, it seems like that would be, in my opinion, a peripheral object yeah. that would go into the dock and stuff like that. But like, I don't see them creating another console for a very long time. Yeah, because that was going to be my thing is, you know, I, I absolutely see them creating additional peripherals mm. like that, like to actually work off your idea because they would need a cartridge slot for the DS. All you would need to do is just kind of think of the realm of the Game Boy camera, mm. how it, the camera fit into the game slot. Your game slot would act as your beacon to the Switch for it to read the fact that it's actually trying to do the dual screen mm. like you're wanting. And then on that dock is where you could 
click in your DS game. So the dock, uh, so the game port would you basically work as your RF sensor to tell your switch that it's in DS mode. All the while, it would also work as your thing to insert your cartridge. Yeah. I agree. I think that's something. Oh, that's, I'm, not talk, I'm not even talking about backwards compatibility with old DS games. I'm talking about a subscription service. <laughs> like I'm saying, like that 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 would be their thing. That no, I think a backwards compatibility compatibility would actually be pretty cool. I'm pretty sure like a third party guy would probably make a. A thing that would hook up to a USB-C. Well, to I'm going to switch. Well, I'm glad we're talking about it here because that means it's going to finally happen. Yeah. <laughs> just like uh, we used we used to be the death podcast. Now we're the creating people things still podcast. I, I people know. still fucking die. <laughs> but no, I I honestly cannot think of what the next form factor for Nintendo would be other than what's been rumored for like the last three years, which is that Switch Pro. Yeah, it's hard to say. So, who knows? I don't see them going to discs. You know, like some of the other consoles still use discs, which is fine because you own it. Uh, yeah, I mean, SSD memory has gotten so good. And plus, you can buy third party hard drives that are compatible. So, like, if you got the two terabyte fucking PS5 mm-hmm. and the quality of games are only going to skyrocket in size, so, so 30 gigs to 50 gigs to 60 gigs and stuff like that, I don't see, I don't see it being an issue with them because it, everything's on the cartridge. Yeah. All right. And then you have a separate memory card for the switch. So they're relying a lot on the people that make SD cards and stuff like that to create the memory itself. Um, the biggest problem I have with them are the way their account uh, management is set up. There's right. Not, there's not really a, um, a support system on that. I've noticed uh, I went the other day and tried to do some uh, support work on my, cause my accounts are separate. I, I had a, a switch light and now I have the new switch, but they're not linked together except by accounts but i sold that switch like and now all my account information is on that other one got it but they don't allow they don't allow well, then you sold it to a friend i did tell but, him to fucking log you out but he doesn't have it anymore <laughs> jesus christ how many hands has the switch been in <laughs> but uh but the the thing is still active so like now i would have to go in create a new new account god damn it <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and pay for another annual subscription service. And it's, and you're it's 20 bucks, but fuck Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, who the hell knows what Nintendo's going to do? But I tell you what, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our main topic where we discuss a company that was on the top of the internet world for a little while with their own website and everything else, and then eventually ventured over into YouTube. That kind of fell through, and now they're the kings of their own app empire. Let's talk about Dropout. Holy shit. I went into a deep dive with the history of this company a couple years ago, and it is insane, Chris. Like I, yeah. I, it, I was shocked at just how many ups and downs and like different things happened with these guys. Yeah. Like in the early days of early days of YouTube, they were there. They were the first company to really go out. And I will say they've kept some, a lot of the original people. Um, another, another version of this is the story of cracked opposite story of that. They got ruined because of YouTube and college humor, which is dropout now, basically, you know, 
save their own asses with this with this content they with the content they created they really did because uh yeah college humor uh used to be like their own video hosting website mm-hmm. like you know they were actually in competition with youtube for a little bit like they were like come to college humor for curated content yeah. go to youtube for the amateur content they're yeah. like we've got the good stuff at college yeah kind of like a funnier die stuff like exactly funnier dial bring in your you know c and b grade celebrities to do some you know funny bits you know college humor could get the same pull you know that sort of shit and honestly i remember a lot of college humor videos back in the day like i'm pretty sure college humor was the first place i saw um uh, i almost called it power rate power thirst yeah power <laughs> thirst i love that fucking video and i think college humor was the first place no. i saw that yeah so like with college humor you and this is kind of like pre-sam reich the guy who runs it now they worked in hand in hand with funnierdie.com and a lot of those people from Funny or Die ended up going to college humor, ended up going to dropout too. And the way YouTube had set up was, yeah, you could sit, you could put your videos here too. And college humor kind of saw the writing on the wall that individual websites to watch content wasn't where it was, where it, was exactly. where it needed to be. Not like streaming is where you pay a service, but cracked, cracked actually suffered this the worst because YouTube had kind of almost demonetized a lot of their content uh, because they had a great series called After Hours, and it was yeah. fantastic. It was just diner people talking about no different than gosh potatoes, like it's just talking about fucking pop culture, and they had to stop because the website cracked wasn't getting enough hits. Uh, they weren't doing enough monetary value on YouTube because YouTube had to demonetize a lot of their stuff because it's uncensored content. Uh, and basically killed that fucking whole website. Now they're just, now they're just probably just a profile on YouTube that still shows old content. But College Humor got kind of ahead of that. Yeah, because the same thing was happening with them. A lot of their content was getting demonetized. A lot of the stuff they were wanting to do, they couldn't do anymore. And there was even a lot of shakeups kind of near the top because maybe by this point in the timeline, Sam uh, is a content creator with College Humor and he's kind of worked his way up to a point but from what i understood sam was kind of always in the upper echelon of the company he just didn't run it yeah yeah so he was basically the manager of the content like they had investors so those are the people he would have to answer to like there is a board um but he, he had bosses for the time yeah yeah and but him being so ahead of it and also being the editor of the website you know when articles came out, he had to edit those articles. You know, he had to tell guys, and it's like, hey, we can do a skit about this. We'll go ahead and move with this, see how it looks. All right, we'll film it, we'll cut it, see what it does, and then post it. You know, he, he's very hands on with that, which kind of makes it great because he's part of the content as well a lot of times. One of my favorites are the office sketches, the hardly working sketches. Yes. And those are just fucking hilarious. He's like, one of my favorites is the Wolfenstein one. And it's just like, man, I found out my grandpa's really big into Wolfenstein. He's like, really? Yeah, I found all this truck with trunk with all this Wolfenstein stuff. And it's like, put that back in the goddamn truck and burn it. Like, it's all a bunch of Nazi paraphernalia. And it's just like, yeah, he's got all this Wolfenstein. Like, no, no, no. Your grandpa was a Nazi. Yeah, he wasn't a video game fan. He was Bert, a Nazi. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> it's like it, and a lot of those guys ended up having careers in dropout later on but also in careers in like movies and stuff um and and them getting to dropout 
is kind of an inspiring story because how they get to drop out is essentially those investors going, yeah, this isn't worth it anymore. We're out. Yeah. All of a sudden, they start losing investors. They start losing payroll. They are about to go under. And instead of kind of going the route that maybe Crack did where they went, all right, fine. We, we had our moment. We were the kings for a minute, but, you know, even Rome fell, you know, all the, the mighty kingdoms fall. We're done. No, Sam went, all right, well, we see Patreon. We see all this other stuff going on where people are creating content and the people are directly subscribing to it. Maybe it's time for a brand change. Maybe we do something a little different. And I have to say, Dropout is probably the best second name to a company like a rebrand I've ever heard because it was college humor drop out what did the most of those kids probably do drop out yep. it's like yes that is the absolute best second iteration of a company I've ever heard and yeah they started out by just releasing a handful of the episodes on their YouTube they rebranded the YouTube to save mm-hmm. drop out everything else and all of a sudden that's when I started paying attention again because the first thing that really came about, you were telling me about it, Chris, was this game called Game Changers. Yeah. And it's hosted by Sam. And honestly, I wish he did more stuff because Sam Reich as a host and like content creator, he is hilarious. He has like this perfect host mentality of like nothing will face him, but he will say the most off the wall shit with a smile on his face. You know, he, he just has that about him. The great thing about Game Changer is it's whose line is it anyway but with sam reich having personal connections with these people he knows where to undercut where to really get people off their off their thing and a lot of these guys are improv comedians yeah a lot of these guys are comedy writers so they really need to be on their toes sometimes but it is an edited show we've we've seen like uh postseason episodes are like hey this is the stuff we had to cut for length yeah and he's very true to the whole 30 minutes you know you have the 23 25 minute episodes because he very w- rarely do they go over like 40 yeah but like when they do them he said he said this once he said i wanted to keep that 23 minute 28 minute stuff because i want it to feel like you're watching regular tv again even though they don't have ads and i will say this is the second cheapest streaming service worth the money out of everything, it costs six dollars. Shutter costs four. Those two by themselves are still cheaper than a fucking Netflix company. <laughs> like that's that's amazing. And it like, really there is. is no there is no commercials. And the thing is, is we're not talking about like say, all right, I'll, I'll I'll throw a little dig at us. It's not like you know our Patreon where we are releasing you know two or three podcasts a week and you know maybe a video here and there. These guys are churning out the content i mean this is a full-on station full of like it's imagine like your xm radio app where you're just like what do you want rock pop reggae easy listening edm Mm -hmm. same fucking thing as soon as you tune in to drop out do you want animation do you want game shows do you want tabletop do you want quiz you know what what do you want we we have a whole lot for you you want podcasts sure we even got podcasts for you bro and what what really makes it great is all of them are part of the creation. So everybody you see on the shows are writing these episodes, are writing these this content. Um, if it wasn't for... So it wasn't until later on that Brennan Lee Mulligan 
actually came to College Humor and actually started appearing in stuff like Hardly Working and stuff like that. Uh, the CEO. Yeah, yeah, so that was even later. So, like, when he first started, they're like, holy fuck, who's this guy with a lot of energy, who knows a lot of stuff, who's really invested in, you know, making content to the point where he's making content by himself. Can we loop that in with ours? And that's how kind of Dimension 20 started was, holy shit, that he started getting these guys together after work. I'm like, hey, guys, you want to play a game of D&D? And, like, a lot of those people who do Dimension 20 now – didn't do that. Never did that. And bringing them into the fold of that really what is what kept Dropout on top because a big part of Dropout, there's three shows that really keep the show going. There's Um Actually with Trap Wilson, uh, Dimension 20 with Bernalee Mulligan, and Sam Reich with Game Changer. It wasn't until recently that they've actually expanded into other great shows like Dirty Laundry with Grant and all them. Uh and then you have stuff like the spinoff of um, of uh, Game Changer, which is make some noise, and uh, going featuring the noise boys. Yeah. And then you have uh, then we talk about the musical guys that are on their music. Well, they got one there called Play It Again, which is another version of that. It's a spinoff of one game they've played, and it's fantastic. They did a great job. They haven't made a season two yet, which I'm kind of disappointed about, but. You know, they're only human. Chris. They're only human. They're only turning out forty episodes a fucking day. God damn it! <laughs> but you actually see if you watch it from like a timeline retrospective, you do see where they come into other shows, and it's just like you can see the effects of the other show. Like one is um, a ga- uh, was a show about uh, Grant and um, another person on the show are in deep college debt for real. Yes, I watched a few of these. So they pitched, they actually, you actually see if it's filmed that they're pitching this idea of a, show, of a game to Sam. And you kind of get into kind of in-depth process. He's like, well, how's it going to work? Well, we brought in this guy. He showed it. You know, we're going to do things that were very uncomfortable for money. This is Fear Factor, but it's specifically about them. Fear Factor is random. You can have a girl scared of bees and one guy be like eating a handful of bees. So like you know, you, yeah, the, you this, really play it on the whole like this broad. Is, this fear. is almost like um, Fear Factor meets Jackass, mainly yeah. because Jackass is very tuned in and customized to each person to yeah. kind of fuck with Van them. And that's what's scared of snakes. We're gonna throw them in a ball pit with the anaconda. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so same setup on this, but it's very much the Fear yeah. Factor thing, yeah, where it's is, stuff that's gonna embarrass them or they're afraid to do. Yeah, this is very personalized. Uh, but a great version of this is uh, the main chick, or the main person on the show, got a got a spray tan and dyed their hair green, and then had to get a new driver's license. Well, if you go watch Dimension Twenty, their hair's still fucking green. Like it is real. Like this isn't. They're not making this shit up. It's very, very fucking real. You can see the spray tan is kind of gone, but the hair uh, as still green. as their hair grows, it's getting less green. It is. <laughs> I didn't notice it until after like a second watch because a great thing about some of these shows is you do have your 30 minute contest. You do have your sit around the um actually, which is the trivia game. But when it comes to the mission 20, these are hour and a half hour, 45 minute long episodes because they're telling a story that is, it's a fantasy story, but it's role playing. And then on top of it, you have to improv a lot of this because you have to work with six other people on the fly who each have a character part of the story. That is like a the 
gauntlet of whose line is it anyway. Like, <laughs> it is. Can you imagine if those motherfuckers played D&D? Oh, it would be brutal as shit. Like, because they would have to create their own character. And then you have Wayne to... Wayne Brady would win. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. There's no... It's a team effort. So, the person DMing the game is the one you got to beat. So, if you get someone like... I, I could see Wayne Brady being a DM. Yeah. But they have to beat him. That's the thing. He has to beat them. And like, I'm not saying that's how D&D is played, but that is a part of it. Yeah. I'm not talking about full party kill, which <laughs> happened for the first time on Dimension 20. This last go around for their never after. And he looked around. He's like, that wasn't supposed to happen. But because of their improv acts as characters, it was a full party kill. And if you're a D&D fan listening to this, you know how bad that is. Like a full party kill. I mean, oh, fuck, we need to start over. <laughs> we need to play. I need to write a whole new content to get somehow say that you're resurrected. <laughs> okay. So like that's that's hard. The resurrection. It's like telling Stephen King. He's like, hey, what if Carrie came back? God damn it. I got to write a new book. <laughs> like, it, it, like that's that's the kind of stuff like you, this is book material this is novels this is a series of tween fiction like that's that's what this is that they're writing on the fly along with six other motherfuckers you know barely mulligan can do it but you could tell it's just like god damn dude how many stories have you told like in the background of all this and oh i know that that's the thing that amazes me is like I couldn't be that creative to think of that many stories. Mm-hmm. I could probably think of maybe three or four. Mm-hmm. I, I could come up with three or four pretty unique storylines if I felt inspired enough. But I mean, I've seen the amount of, you know, sessions and uh, campaigns mm-hmm. Brendan's done. I have no idea how that, plus his spare time, his mm-hmm. personal time, it's like good. Oh, he's God. done a stand up. Yeah. Well, I mean, just, just, I'm talking about from the storytelling aspect of D&D. Mm. Even like his personal time. I'm sure he plays personal D&D games that aren't filmed. Good God, how well, many go, stories go, does he have? Going into that. Um, you have, you know, we talked about on YouTube, you know, a lot of those people from YouTube are being brought in to College Humor as guests. Uh, there's a great uh, YouTube channel, My Brother, My Brother, and My Brother and Me. The McElroys. A family of fucking comedians who are also notorious D and D players. They brought he brought them in to play Tiny Heist, and that's where we get Rick Diggins. Because Brendan Lee Mulligan didn't write Rick Diggins, that guy did. So now he has to play along with this multiple personality disorder Lego man. And he's doing a Tiny Heist with a fairy and a fucking transformer and shit like that. So he has to be on top of his game constantly. And another part of this, because there's such a big fandom for D and D. He actually went on to host Critical Role, which is a separate YouTube account. And now they're bringing the host of Critical Role to Dimension 20. So there is a little bit of cohesion going on with other content creators, which College Humor was known for in the beginning. A lot of those guys were YouTube-specific people who got hired by College Humor to do more stuff. Um, well, and I think the reason why these maybe will kind of phrase it as collaborations are kind of working is because College Humor proved their concept to be correct, mm-hmm. which is if you provide good, funny, and engaging content, they will come. Yeah. That's just what it comes down to. They People want funny, quality content. And if you make it, and if you make it a decent price that everyone from your college kid to your working class 20, 30, 40-year-old can afford, they're going to buy it because they want 
to see the funny content. And another part of this is a lot of their content from Dropout is free on YouTube, which draws you in. It drew me in. Yeah. Uh, I watched uh, Fantasy High, which was a uh, Dimension 20 uh, D&D game. I watched the entire first season from beginning to end. Fantastic storytelling, lore, and they're just like, if you want to see season two, get Dropout. And I'm like, Oh, I gotta do what happens. So like, <laughs> yeah, here's same, my six dollars, motherfucker. And, and same thing happened to me. You sent me a link to a game changer, yep. and you're like, "Dude, watch this. I know you'd like this." Mm-hmm. And I one episode, I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm fucking sold." I mm-hmm. I love the whole setup. I love the look. I love the editing. Everything. And talking about when you're saying earlier, you know, stuff that you liked, you know, kind of seeing the progression of with the app. The weird thing that I like is watching the sets progress Mm. and get nicer and get better. I think as a viewer, at least for me personally, I like seeing that, especially if it's a model like this where it's a subscription service and you're Mm. paying them for the content, where it's like season one of Game Changer looked very DIY. Mm. Like you, the you could literally see the brush strokes of the paint on the pedestals. You know, yeah. it was very DIY where it's like, you look at it now and like, there's a couple little better highlighting like lights, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell they maybe repainted a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, the TV looks a little nicer. The cameras are maybe slightly upgraded or they could hire a better editor, better color grader. And all of a sudden it's like, you're like, Oh, my little investment is actually making a difference. No. They're they're putting it back into it. They're not just keeping the money. They're putting the money back into it and giving us an even yeah. better product. It's like, yes, it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden season three of Game Changer comes out and like they have bigger stunts to pull, like the wrecking episode, yeah. where it's like they just destroy shit the whole time. And it's just like, yeah, they probably wouldn't have done that in season one because everyone was like, no, I'm not doing the cleanup on that. And you're mean to tell me we have to set aside probably close to like 1500 bucks just for them to destroy shit. No, no we're not doing that. Fuck. No season three rolls around. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah, we'll clean up this mess. That'd make for a really funny episode. And that's, and that's another part of it is you see people who appear briefly in Game Changer. Uh, my favorite one is the lie detector machine. Yes. At that time, uh, Izzy, Brennan Lee Mulligan's girlfriend at the time, is in that episode. Now she's a fucking cast member. Yeah. Because now she's part of Dimension 20. She's part of Dirty Laundry and stuff like that. Because they have a history. And so now it's more of like a family thing almost. Like, hey, these are a group of friends who are making content. And Sam Rice is the ringleader. Yeah. Of this one thing. And another thing is Dimension 20 could stand on its own, but it is still part of Dropout. And you have different DMs constantly. One of my favorite things is watching a DM be a player. Brendan Lee Mulligan, as a player, is off the fucking wall, craziest shit you've ever seen in tabletop. Uh, we joked about it. Like, when we play Monopoly and stuff, hey, what's the house rule? You know, oh, land on free parking. I have pissed so many people off, just lucky shot in that fucking thing. And that's what he does. Yeah. It's all it is about rolling dice. This motherfucker's lucky shot DMs into the ground, and they're just like, fuck, I didn't plan for this. No, you didn't plan for this because you're not Brennan Lee Mulligan. <laughs> All right, motherfucker. So you have to, you know, you have to adapt and seeing yeah. those people play characters. It's like watching your boss try to do your job, and it's it's really good. And then you realize, oh, that's why they're the boss. It's like they're too good at this fucking shit. And him on um actually, 
is more funnier than Game Changer, in my opinion. Well, I was going to say, I'm actually... The reason I really like that show is they literally took the derogatory thing of the know-it-all. Um, which is actually... Uh-huh. <laughs> and made He's it... called a smartass. <laughs> <laughs> and made it an entire show. And it's really great because you even watch trivia shows and sometimes in your head you're like... Well, actually, it's yada yada blah blah blah. So for them to use that as the hook, you it, it shows good writing because without even having to explain the show, if you just said, "Oh, it's a quiz TV show called Um Actually," from that alone, you already get the idea that oh, you're probably going to have to do reverse trivia where they give you the answer and you have to give the correct answer. Yeah. So it it, it it's a it's a lot of. Hey, this, this, and this happened. Um, actually, no, this didn't happen. That's just how it's. I remember watching it with Cap and uh, the girl he was with at the time, and I started answering. That's oh, I mean, that's not right. Nope, nope, that didn't happen. And like Cap's looking at me like, God damn, dude, you should be on that show. No, no, because those three motherfuckers on that are more nerdy than I am. It <laughs> would fucking demolish me on that fucking show. And then another one, another part of the thing is Brittany Lee Mulligan and Trap, the guy who who do, does the show. Because Brendan Mulligan will actually be technically right, but it's not right. Yeah. And I love his like look, like dead ass, dead eyed look into the camera. He's like, get in the comments. Yes. <laughs> get in the fucking comments. And it's just like, and in, then I'm in the comments, going, like, if you look at the comments on like YouTube and shit, they're like, what the fuck, bro? Well, I was going to say, that's the only place it works because Dropout doesn't have comments. Yeah. <laughs> get in the comments. But like he he branched off, you know, and he and another part of Dropout is the Dropout podcast, which is people like Trap and Brinley Mulligan and Sam Reich. And then what's funny is Sam Reich actually was part of a D&D campaign and it is fucking hilarious him trying to keep up because it's like it's not his bag. Yeah. But like him trying to be as as cordial as possible and just Brennan's like yeah you're my fucking tone you're my fucking world now <laughs> you're i'm your boss I'm now your bitch. Boss, <laughs> points <laughs> but no i just i just really do like dropout and it, and it especially makes me sad because i see something like dropout and i go that's what g4 could have been just so can be if they want to come back they they can BC Comcast. G5? <laughs> no. The, the, Kevin Pereira and a couple of the other new kids all went off and they're kind of doing their own thing, but like it's not, it's literally just live stream podcast stuff. They're not actually doing. It's weird, to, wanna, it's weird to call it like TV content, but like I feel like that's where that crew really thrived was in TV style content. I might see him on an episode of I'm Actually one day. That would be cool. That oh, would yeah. be really cool. And just Brandon Lee Mulligan just sitting there. I'm like, oh, I don't play video games. <laughs> but I know all no, of I, them. I know, what, I know the lore. <laughs> I read the books. I read the adaptations. And just Kevin Pereira just like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> if you could pitch another show for Dropout, what would it be? Mm, that's hard because they've done massive amounts of content. I would love to see them do a version of Undercover Boss but in a more practical setting where it's actually an office. And it's just like, Hey, I know that guy. Is that the, and just look at a picture of the CEO on the wall and just look at him. Is that, is that Sam? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, like, you know <laughs> it's something like that. It's hard to pitch a content for college humor because they're so good at making content. So honestly, uh, a version I would love to see is them actually sitting around and doing like smosh games. 
where they play tabletop games other than D&D. I would love to see them try to play Monopoly. Yeah, classic games and them just losing their mind because Brendan Lee Mulligan has a very a lot of things to say about Monopoly and how it's it's it only works if everyone is trying to kill each other basically. <laughs> and he's like, but if we come together as a community, we destroy it. But then it's just like that's communism. <laughs> I thought about this one right before I mentioned it. Um I think it'd be cool. I don't think maybe as an ongoing series, but maybe as like a two or three part episode hosted, of course, by Sam. And you'd have to have your Brindley Mulligans and everyone else as part of it. Take the concept of the survivor episodes of Game Changer, Mm -hmm. but it's an overnight camping thing where there's like five people, but one tent. Mm a certain amount of food, a certain amount of water. It's funny you say that because that was actually one episode of the college debt one. Oh, was it? Grant hates camping. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had to do the camping one. They they packed his bag for him, and in the bag was a tent, a pillow, uh, a little fake uh, torch because you couldn't light a fire at the time, uh, a portable DVD player, and nothing but porn videos. (laughs) And they came back and saw him, and he was like freaking out because he heard a bear. But he's probably like a deer. Yeah. But like it's California, so there are bears. But it's just like, yeah, yeah, have fun. <laughs> but I think that'd be funny. Just drop, especially with the concept of like low rations, mm-hmm. not enough shelter for everyone. Yeah. It's probably gonna rain tonight. Yeah. It's a little cold. What you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I can see. That. I just see like trap Brennan and everyone else just like dominating. That yeah. because that would actually be the funniest thing. Could be like the Cyril from like Archer where it's like he's kind of nerdy and like oh you know whatever that's kind of like the trap of the group and then all of a sudden that situation happens he's just like Lord of the Flies bitches let's do this shit yeah, <laughs> yeah just a full breakdown of human society yeah and and then you just get clips back to like Sam in his trailer and he's just got like his heater some cocoa and he's just, just watching. like watching the screens be like hmm yeah, yeah. that's very nice yeah. you can do that with like hotel rooms like they just each one is in a different hotel room and they have to figure out like a basically like a trap room. Like you have to figure out a way out of the hotel room. Oh shit. You, there's the title, the trap room the trap hosted room. by trap. Yeah. And this is everyone in their own escape they have, room. They all have to figure out how to get out of the, the hotel room. It's basically an escape room. Brennan Lee Mulligan would be like kicking the fucking door down because he, <laughs> he has claustrophobia. <laughs> no, no, you're not doing this. All of a sudden you just see a foot through the fucking door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I would love to see, I would love to see a lot of, um, the guys from Dimension 20 kind of expand out a little bit. Um, he does have a core group of people, but there is a lot of secondary people that show up a lot. Um, and like I said, kind of like Smosh games where they sit around and play different games together. Uh, I could see them playing like Secret Hitler or something like that, you know, or uh, uh, what is it, Business Walrus or, God, you know. God, watching Brennan play Business Walrus. Nerd water. <laughs> <laughs> But no, guys. Or act you, out skits from playing Cards Against Humanity. Oh, God. You got you to pitch it. Oh, that'd be good. So no, guys, definitely check out Dropout, especially if you like this kind of content. I mean, we are not sponsored. Hey, sponsor us. <laughs> Let us on the show, maybe. No, but uh, I have a feeling that, you know, the people that like our content, you know, would very much kind of dig that stuff, too, because it's not too far disconnected, you know, and I'd say that... A combination of the stuff Kevin does, uh, Kev Smith rather. Uh, a comment. Oh, that was me. Damn, that was that was an odd noise. Everyone gets to keep that one in. <laughs> um, 
combination with Kevin Smith stuff, the um, dropout and tell him Steve Dave is like really the blueprint of what I look at when, you know, we even look at our podcast network. So, you know, when we talk about stuff that we like when it comes to like dropout and shit, we, we have our grand plans. We, we have things we want to do. Uh, we just need the people. <laughs> we need the people to do it. I would love to see a little bit more cohesion with other, uh, other stuff like uh, mythical, good mythical morning. Uh, stuff like that and have them brought on the show. Uh, a lot of your independent YouTubers do this. Mr. GG, Wendy Goon, stuff like that. They do that. But I would love to see Dropout, you know, reach out to bigger people on YouTube like Smosh Games, Good Mythical Morning, you know, those kind of like I could imagine having Scott the Waz on them actually and him freaking the fuck out about a whole see, episode. That, that would be good. A whole episode about Nintendo and him just like getting it wrong because Brennan Lee Mulligan just like read Nintendo for like 30 minutes and just like I got it I got it I got it and him having a panic attack like Tyler was on the podcast oh god if you guys have not listened as we mentioned earlier we got that other show Cryptic Conspiracy Cult we released a little mini episode Tyler Reese of the Cyberdelic swing on through to talk about the Anunnaki part 4 part 1 of the Alien series so definitely check that out along with all the other good shit on the network and like I said click that link in the episode description and grab you a something good network t-shirt a couch potatoes t-shirt a Crypto Conspiracy t-shirt and maybe some other stuff that we'll drop a little bit later on. But we're going to start at least with those three right now. See what people think of that. <laughs> but we've got a good year of stuff coming up. It kind of felt like this was the down week. Mm. Like everything else seems to be kind of kicking off starting in April. So we've, we've only got a few more weeks. Yeah, we've got Mandalorian running right now. We've got South Park running right now. So once those two finish up, we'll be covering those extensively and definitely have a lot to say about the season of South Park. Yeah. It's, it's been pretty interesting and we might have a lot to say about mandalorian as well they're, they're you mean the last of us <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were gonna say something about that <laughs> pedro pascal is just the dad of every show now yeah, he's, he's gonna be the dad of everything i love the i love the snl skit of the mario kart and yes it's just like where are we going Wherever the road takes <laughs> Boom, 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 boom. Some John Carpenter fucking escape from New York style. But if you like this shit, make sure and hit that subscribe button. Give us a review. All that good shit. We're going to start asking for that a little bit more because, damn it, we got to get that up in order to uh, get the interest of any sponsors. And, God damn it, we have got to get that bitch Betty Crocker on this show. <laughs> So for this episode of the Couch Potatoes, I've been Alex and Chris. Do you have any sort of final thoughts on Dropout or anything else we've talked about today? I would love to play business walrus and then force Sam Wright to do a pop shop of their business anywhere, anywhere. Just pitch a business and then they have to open it up for like, uh, you know, one of those like uh, pop up shops, pop up yeah. shops for like two days. Come down to this fucking thing, and Burton Lee Mullick is just like fucking shooting off shit, just fucking trying to sell shit as fast as possible. Come on down to Chris Morrison's Magic Emporium. <laughs> you ever seen Needful Things? This is Needful Things. <laughs> All these items are cursed. <laughs> I want glasses to see. You're blind now.